All right, in the book of Ephesians, uh, we're in chapter 4. This morning I want to speak on, uh, thank you. I'm glad somebody watches out for me, I tell you. It's good to have somebody that knows what's going on with, with all the sound systems and what have you. But this morning I want to deal with do not grieve the Spirit. Paul talks about this in uh, verse 30. And let me just read that uh, verse this morning. And, and, uh, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, Paul says, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And that's our text this morning. And uh, actually, I'm not going to finish it. I'll finish it next week. This whole idea of, of, uh, of grieving the, the Holy Spirit. And really, it's, it's the main, you might say, this verse is the central verse in, in chapter 4 and really how we live out our lives. Because Paul has been talking about, remember, in verse 25 of truth-telling versus lying. In verse 26, uh, anger that we have. And uh, uh, 28, hard work versus stealing. Uh, In verse 29, uh, our uh, rotten speech that comes out of our mouth. And uh, uh, he says we should be walking worthily of the calling. Uh, And that's found in verse 1 of chapter 4. You know, our God has worked in us by his Holy Spirit. He has changed us. He's redeemed us. Uh, He has justified us. And now we're his children by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I always like to to remember to say that because salvation is only through faith in Christ. Uh, uh, Him and him alone. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me. And so make sure this morning that you're trusting Christ. Because in Him is, is life and uh, in Him alone. But uh, He continues to work in us by His Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is alive in us and uh, working in us. We saw that when we went through the, the uh, book of Romans. Uh, and I'll, I'll just give you some verses on the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God who is active. And He is a person. I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, He is uh, a person. Uh, If the Spirit, in verse 11 of Romans 8, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and He is, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. If you're a believer this morning, if Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're trusting in Him alone, the Spirit of God lives in you. If you've been born again, He is in you. The Spirit Himself, in verse 16, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And we'll see more of that 
later on, but he is, continues to work in us, and he helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, notice himself, a person, intercedes for us through wordless groans. There's a groaning of the Spirit. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So Romans chapter 8 deals with this on the, on the Holy Spirit. And we went through that, as you recall, when we went through the book of Romans. But uh, this morning, we're going to see that all of these sins that Paul is talking about, that we still... Uh, have remnants of in our life. We get angry and uh, we steal in, in all kind of ways. And I'm not going to go back and review all of that. But all of this does what? The main focus, Paul is going to say, because he says it in the middle of this list, grieves the Spirit. Sin grieves the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, that is the important thing of all of this. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a law, but it's also grieving the spirit of the living God who now lives in us. Does that really affect you and how you live your life, your Christian life? It should, because Christ is in you. His spirit is in you. And uh, remember, Paul's focus here is church unity and the body of Christ. Paul says we are members of one another of the same body. Uh, so what do sins do then? They disrupt the unity of the body. Sins hurt others. Correct? When I sin against you or you against me, it hurts. It, it's, it's grievous. It, it's It's painful. Now, Paul is saying, all of these sins also grieve the Holy Spirit. So this is not just one more thing in the list. This refers to all of them because they grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, And remember, it is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace that we're seeking. That's verse 3 of chapter 4. It is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I want to look at four, uh, I have four points. We only see two of those this week just because it would, have, it would have been too much information for one sermon uh, and barely enough for two, you might say. And yet, the more I prepared, the longer it got. So, you know, it's like anything. You start off in studying the Word of God and you're saying, hey, what am I going to say? And then when it's over, you go, Whoa. Too much to say, and but that's just God, and uh, His His word uh, uh, is is true, and His word is limitless. I mean, we're just touching the surface going through here, Amen. and you need to study this on your own because you and dig deep, dig deep, and uh, ask yourselves questions as you you read. But what does the word grieve? Mean? What is the definition when we say grieve? Uh, in this text, of course, it's relating to the Holy Spirit, and it means to cause pain or distress or inner sorrow. 
And that can we can do to each other, not just to the Holy Spirit. And Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. Even if I caused you sorrow or grief by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurts you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry or greed, but because your sorrow led to your repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended and so were not harmed in any way by us. So we see this grief uh, is, is with one another uh, and, and sorrowful. It, it's, it's pain. And, uh, but it's always, as we'll see, the Holy Spirit will be grieved and back away. But when he does that, you know it. And so what does that cause you to do? Repent and come back to him. Because you've lost that, that intimacy. You haven't lost the Holy Spirit. You're not lost. But you don't have that sweet, sweet fellowship that God desires in your life. And so he always does this for our good, which we'll look at. But it's a heart pain is what this Greek word means. It's a heart pain, and, and you know what heart pain is like. I don't have to tell anybody and define that for you. We've all had that in, in different ways. But it is our behavior that causes uh, that grief in the heart of the Holy Spirit. We have to remember God has feelings. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe not, but we're made in His image. He feels just like we do. Of course, without sin, he's without sin. But he nonetheless has feelings, and he can be hurt and grieved. And we need to remember that. Uh, it's that important in, uh, in our lives. Uh, one man paraphrased this verse, and he says, said it this way, Do not act towards the Holy Spirit in a manner that would produce pain in the bosom of a friend who loves you. Interesting, isn't it, how he paraphrased that? Not a translation, a paraphrase. In the bosom of a friend who loves you. He's our comforter. He's our helper. He is our friend. How could we grieve our friend? But that's what we're doing. You see, uh, that's an act of unkindness on our part. When we have a love relationship with God. The unbeliever does not have a love relationship with God. Matter of fact, God says he is angry with the wicked all the day long. But he is no longer, if you're his child, he's no longer angry with you. There is no condemnation. He loves you. And he wants that relationship to be intimate. Do we desire an intimate, deeper relationship with our God? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because uh, I struggle with this as much as anyone. And uh, so don't, don't think I'm just preaching to you. Uh, but we're grieving a friend who has done nothing but treated us with kindness. That even makes it worse, doesn't it? Can you imagine uh, being hurtful? To a friend who never did anything but kindness towards you. 
Think about that. I mean, that would be pretty uh, severe. But that's what we're doing. Uh, And this is a kindness not deserved. How do we know that? The first three chapters of Ephesians. When Paul talks about all the blessings that have been poured out on us, when we deserved his wrath, we've been justified in in all of that. Go back and read it. That's what Paul is saying here. Uh, All of these blessings, there's that closeness and uh, and it intensifies uh, the grief. It intensifies the grief when there's that closeness. It really does grieve God. And, and we can just be kind of flipping about it because, well, you know, that's just the way it is or whatever. We need to really understand this because his word tells us this. You know, a stranger, not so much. A friend, yes. I mean, have you been driving along and up beside you as you're driving along, another car comes up and, and maybe you've been going too slow and he's, he screams these obscenities profanity at you and then gives you a couple of uh, high signs or whatever and you go, whoa, that guy's got a real problem. But you don't go home and lose sleep over it. I hope you don't anyway. I hope you just kind of say, you know, that's, that guy's got something wrong with him and lift a prayer for him. But when a friend hurts you, when your husband or your wife or a close friend hurts you, you can lose sleep over it. I've had that happen where I couldn't sleep because I was hurt. That's how we grieve the Holy Spirit. We have hurt him. We have grieved him. And uh, because he's not a stranger. He is uh, a loving, loving person. And we should treat our God with kindness. And uh, uh, remember what your body is. And this is a mysterious thing. Uh, I find it... Hard to understand. Matter of fact, it's impossible to understand, I think. But anyway, what does... uh, Did I skip one? No. He says, uh, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? In other words, you're the temple of God and the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's what we have to remember. Uh, This disappointing behavior also grieves the Holy Spirit. It's like a parent who has uh, sunk tons and tons and tons of time into their children. And they do, believe me, Your parents provide for you, they feed you, they nursed you when you were young, they have treated you with kindness, they love you, and then when you flunk out of college or you leave the faith, what does that do to them? It crushes them. It crushes them. And so the same way, just as a parent with their children, when the children disappoints, or it can be in reverse too. But it hurts. It really does hurt when that goes on. It grieves them because there's a love relationship that's going on here. Uh, 
a plant that brings forth no fruit. In Isaiah uh, 5, chapter 5, verses 3 uh, through 4, uh, he, God is saying of his vineyard, Israel, he says, Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have done for it? God did so much. On and on and on. When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Is that a picture of disappointing behavior? Absolutely. That's disappointing behavior. When he had done so much for them. God looked for one thing and he found another. What about our own lives? Uh, in Luke chapter 13, speaking of uh, a fig tree. And then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should I use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Uh, is there fruit in our lives that please the Lord? Is there fruit in our lives that please the Lord? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, patience? Because when we're not bearing fruit, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When we're not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to bear fruit as his children. Responsibility. We are responsible. Don't say, well, God just hadn't worked in me to do that. That's a cop-out. No, it is our responsibility as his children to bear fruit. Second point this morning, and uh, there, are there are four points. The second one that we'll look at, what does the word grieve imply? What does it uh, imply? Four things I want to see, general truths that we should see. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a real person. And must be treated as a real person. I've touched on this. But remember we worship a triune God. One God in three persons. Let me ask you. Do you practice that belief? Not do you believe it. But do you practice Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Father, Son... Yeah, we, we talk about that a great deal. But what about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? Amen. You know, it's, 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 it's a shame because of the charismatic movement and a lot of the, the problems with that and, and where it went and all. 
What happens then is you tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? Uh, and it's, it's important that uh, we see these things about him. That he's one of the, uh, one of the persons of the Godhead. Uh, do we neglect him? How many of us, when we got up this morning, thought of the Holy Spirit as a person? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but think about that. You you know, you you said, oh, Father, thank you for this day in in Jesus' name, amen. That's not bad, but do we say, do we say like, uh, come Holy Spirit in our heart of hearts? Do we say, come Holy Spirit, fill me afresh Guide me, Holy Spirit. Move me, Holy Spirit. Enlighten me, Holy Spirit. Comfort me, Holy Spirit. Convict me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Open my heart to your truth, Holy Spirit. Change me. Humble me. Use me. Draw me. Do you get the picture? Holy Spirit. Humble me, Holy Spirit. Do we ask that? Do we sing, uh, uh, when we sing the doxology, which is a beautiful doxology, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we end it with. Do you speak to Him? He speaks to you. Do you speak to Him? He speaks to you. When he, when he speaks to you, do you speak back or do you ignore him? Do you neglect him? Something for all of us, again, to, to examine uh, our hearts. And uh, the Holy Spirit also, secondly, sustains an intimate relationship with the believer. And we must guard that. We must regard it as such. An intimate relationship you know, John sixteen seven and, and 8 says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away, Jesus said. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He will be at work, the Holy Spirit. And he works in our life. And he, uh, he keeps us. One of the great things about the Holy Spirit of God, it says, who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept. I think the King James said, we are kept through faith by the power of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps you. And sustains you, strengthens you, guides you, all of those things that I said. It's the Holy Spirit. Do we give Him the praise that He deserves? Praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
You know what? Let me ask you this question. Is the Holy Spirit precious to you? Is he precious to you? He should because he dwells in you. The third thing Paul is telling them uh, to stop grieving the Holy Spirit. I don't think anybody here purposely tries to grieve the Holy Spirit. We do nonetheless, but no one purposely uh, uh, like that's what you're out to do. But nonetheless, we do it. But Paul is saying to us that our sins really do grieve his spirit. Are sins really ugly to us? Are they really ugly to us? You know, when when someone is unfaithful to their spouse, uh, that is an ugly thing. And they're not purposely trying to hurt them. But nonetheless, they end up doing just that. And uh, we need to understand that what we do in our lives affects the Holy Spirit. We're hurting a person. This is not impersonal. This is very personal. Grieving the Holy Spirit is a serious issue with serious consequences. Do we believe that? We should because it's true. There are serious consequences with grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul says, does lying have serious consequences? Yes, it does. We've looked at that. Does stealing have serious consequences? Yes, it does. Does anger, bad anger, rotten speech have consequences? We know that it does. We looked at those. So, Does grieving the Holy Spirit have consequences? Yes, it does. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, we have to realize uh, in Isaiah 63, 9 and 10, in all their distress, he too was distressed and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lit them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled. This is talking about the children of Israel. They rebelled and grieved his what? Wow. They grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy and himself fought against them. Does it have consequences? It just tells you right here it does, doesn't it? When you grieve the Holy Spirit, there are consequences uh, to that grief. Uh, Hebrews 12, 7 through 11, endure hardship as discipline. Because when, when, when like I said, when he backs off, when, when that intimacy is broken, he's doing that because he loves us. He wants us to show us that we need to come back. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what child, uh, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? 
They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for what? In order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so, when we grieve the Holy Spirit and withdraw, he withdraws. And he is grieved. Uh, we have to admit it and, and pray f- for forgiveness. Uh, because he will withdraw his gracious manifestations, I believe, of himself, his influence in our life. We will not have a sense of his love. We will not have a, a, the joy of our salvation. No assurance, no peace. Your spirit will not bear witness with his spirit that you are a child of God. You're not lost, but where is that intimacy with the spirit of God? You will not feel his arms of love embracing you. It's that serious, that serious. Do you find it difficult to find pleasure in the things of God? Now, this is really where the rubber meets the road. I would have to say at times I have. Do you find it difficult to find pleasure in the things of God? Maybe it's because you have grieved the Holy Spirit. I did. And I was in uh, that state for years. I had grieved him because I was angry with uh, with the way I was treated by certain people. Uh, I was fearful. I was bitter. And I needed relief. And you know what? When I repented of those things and got on my knees and asked God to forgive me, I had joy like I'd never had before. I had peace like I had never had before. I was running around hugging everybody and praising God because he had taken all that away. And when you confess your sin, what does the Holy Spirit do? Rushes in. You can't keep him out. When you, from your heart, confess your sin before, he'll rush in. Because that's what he does. Uh, There are gracious influences that he has for you. You know, it's really, uh, and this is on a human level, but, and maybe you've experienced this, but I know if I'm walking along the beach and I'm holding hands with the one that I love and maybe have my arm around her, uh, I don't want that intimacy to ever end. Have you experienced that? And you go, you know what? I could just do this for the rest of my life. And, you know, well, maybe not for the rest of my life, but it's, it's such a wonderful intimacy. And that's how it is with God when we have that love relationship going on inside of us as we uh, are doing that which pleases him. He is pleased with us, and he just rushes in and fills us with that 
with that peace, that joy, and all the fruit of the Spirit. We need to confess our sins and be embraced by the Holy Spirit. He chastens us because He loves us. We need not take the Holy Spirit for granted. And we take so many things in this life, don't we, for granted. You know, we went through the Hurricane Frederick, and we were without water for like three weeks. Now, we did have a swimming pool there, so it was not totally without water. But it was a real hardship to not have water to drink whenever you wanted, to go take a shower whenever you wanted it. We took things for granted, and we need to not do that when it comes to our Holy Spirit who loves us with a love everlasting. One who has always treated us with kindness and gentleness and mercy and grace. And yet we grieve Him and we hurt Him and we need to be more careful of that. Let me close with this quote by Puritan Richard Sibbs. He says, we are often in afflictions and under clouds. Let us therefore prize our fellowship with the Spirit. Are we in darkness? He is the Spirit of light. Are we in deadness of spirit? He is the Spirit of life. Are we sorrowful? He is the Spirit of consolation. Are we perplexed? And know not what to do. He is the spirit of wisdom. Are we troubled with remaining sin? He is the sanctifying spirit. In whatever condition we are. He will never leave us until he has raised us from the grave. And then taken full possession of body and soul in heaven. He will prove a comforter. When neither friends nor riches nor anything in the world can comfort us. How careful we should be not to grieve this sweet spirit of God. Wow, isn't that incredible? One verse, one verse as we close. And First uh, Thessalonians 5, 19. Do not quench the spirit. How do we quench the spirit? We're going to see that some more, but we have to be careful not to put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. What does fire bring? It brings warmth and it brings light. Don't quench the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's pray. Father, this morning, uh, Lord, we confess that we have quenched the Holy Spirit. Lord, we have grieved uh, the very one who dwells within us by thought, word, and deed. But Lord, our desire as your children is to have an intimate relationship with you. Lord, we want that relationship to be so wonderful that we would never want to leave it. But Lord, we know that 
if our lives are full of bitterness and hate and anger and that we have quenched the Spirit. Lord, help us to confess our sin. Help us, Lord, to uh, ask for your Holy Spirit to come and be with us in a special way. And Lord, we just thank you for uh, our wonderful Holy Spirit who dwells in us and comforts us and guides us. Lord, we ask now that you would just work in each heart where they're sitting, and that they would ask themselves, in what way am I quenching the Spirit? Lord, may they just in their heart of hearts look deep and say, I've quenched the Spirit in this way, or I've quenched the Spirit in that way. I'm quenching Him right now. Lord, help us to confess, and may the the peace of God that passes all understanding fill us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat>